0: Continuing a little bit of our series "Inside Out" and talking a little bit about how to live out the Christian, the values that we have as a church. And um, we've been going through that, and, and tonight we'll be talking about being a growing church, being a growing church. And you know, sometimes there's a, a bit of a mentality um, in church that we sort of just, just sort of just exist. And we forget at times that if we just would just be the kind of church that we're supposed to be according to, to the Word of God, there's certain things that just actually comes about naturally. And this is one of those things, growing. And uh, you know, so much of the Bible in its analogies of the Christian life is, is just inherently about growth. You think about even how the Bible describes salvation, it's being birthed into God's family and being a newborn babe that desires the sincere milk of the word. And we understand that, that babies grow, don't they? Last night I, at, the, at the wedding reception that we were at, uh, my sister Rena was also there and um, she had the newest addition to the Halana clan, all right, it's uh, Gabe. And so I got to hold him, um, you know, just to to relieve Rena. a bit, he was mucking around. So um, from my role in the family as the favorite uncle of everyone, but um, is when the kids are babies, I have a thing called, that I inherited, I think, from my mum, called the sleeper hold, all right, and so... If kids want to go to sleep, they come with me. And maybe it's because I'm a pastor. I put people to sleep all the time. But, um, but I have this touch, I guess. And, and, but I was just, just observing how in the short couple of months he's been with us, how much he's grown. You know, the, the, his chubby face and, and just, I loved it. And we were, I was enjoying that a little bit. And um, someone commented to, to me last night, oh, you're looking for another one. I said, no, no, we're done. <laughs> said, I can give this one back. It's all good. But babies grow, is what I'm trying to say. And that's, that's the analogy God gives us as far as being a Christian. You think about even how the, the, the Bible compare, uh, compares faith to a seed. And even a seed, when it's properly... Uh, matur- maturates in its life. It, it's it's meant to get in the ground. It's meant to die, and it's meant to germinate and become something greater than the little seed that it is. It's growth. And that whole thought of the seeing that it's tiny, but it it just spreads out. It's a it becomes a great plant. And it's meant to it's meant to grow is what I'm saying. And so much of the Christian life is actually inherent in, in its design, inherent in God's. God's analogies for us to understand about the Christian life is its growth. We're meant to grow. And we're meant to in, in just God's design and God's desire and God's purpose in it, we're meant to be growing. And, and so it, that's the Christian life. It's inherent in, in that, that we ought to be growing. And when we stop growing is when there's an issue, when we become stagnant in our faith, when we fail to grow like we should be growing, that's when there, there, there ought to be a self examination of what's going on. And I hope that you do take a little bit of time over the course of your Christian life to understand you're growing. But you know, that's also what God desires for the church in a collective sense. And that makes sense, doesn't it? We're, as a church we're, we're a body of believers, but we're all individuals we're trying to walk with God, trying to trying to grow in our, own, in our own walk with him and grow in our Christian life. And so just by nature of our getting together and coming together, there ought to be a growing. There ought to be an understanding that as a church, one of the things that we ought to value and ought to be a value to us is that we are a growing church. And our collective is supposed to grow as well. We ought to be a growing church. And, you know, sometimes when we think about growing, we think about all, all the numbers and all of that. And, and there's part of that, and, and we'll talk a little bit about that later on, but there's so much in the Christian life and so much in a church's life that that exhibits growth. It's not simply the numbers. It's not simply God adding to the church, although if we would do right, God would do that as well, but we go about, and there, there needs to be a mentality of growing and You know, I think sometimes when we're not observing that and evaluating that, what tends to happen is is there's no no real stagnation in the the Christian life. There's only growth or decline. And I think sometimes there's there's a lack of understanding of that. And, And I understand, you know, there's sometimes modeled for us just the idea of being faithful. But, you know, God's not just expecting faithfulness. God's also expecting fruitfulness. And God's very clear about that in His Word. We ought to be faithful, and that's a good baseline for us as a church and a good baseline for us as Christians. But faithfulness is meant to produce something. It's meant to produce growth. It's meant to produce faithfulness, fruitfulness in our lives. And what that is, it's growing. We ought to be a growing church. And, you know, I think we can often be very good at making excuses for perhaps decline. You know, I think too often the reason we give for a lack of growing is perhaps the environment that we've been placed in. Maybe you're thinking, well, if we only were a church in whatever, you name the era, it just seems like every other era was meant for the growth of the church. And you could look at, well, you know, we're living perhaps in the last days and we're, we're seeing that, that trend in the world and we could... We could just argue within ourselves that there's a reason we're not growing. But that's not the case. God's, God's expectation of growth for each and every one of us, and as us as a collective, is that we're just growing. That's God's design. And if we would follow God's design, the, the outflow of that is just the, the very thing that we see in Scripture. And you know, we can't ignore the fact that we live in a time that's often contrary to the church. We can't ignore that. We can't. We can't just sort of dismiss that and, and pretend like we're, we're in a different era. Pretend like we're just sort of. But we can't also use that in, as an excuse not to grow. And you know, I, I think about sometimes even going down different, going down to different uh, different parts of even our own city where there's some older buildings that have become derelict. And it's amazing to me that when you observe those buildings that somehow, somewhere, there's some sort of little plant that's just growing out of the wall. Yeah, that, that's amazing, too. I like to observe those details, and I, I start to look at them, and, and sometimes through the crevices and the cracks, there's this, this some greenery sp- spouting out, and there's going to be someone out there who wants to renovate that building and keep that corner to make it you know look heritage. And, but what I'm saying is, even in those contrary things, because that environment doesn't seem to be the right environment for growth, something grows, because that's just how God designed certain things, and and we can't we can't be of the mentality that well we're just a church in, you know, in this century in this era of the world's history and everything's against us and everything, isn't the right thing for for there to be really growth in my Christian life and growth in the in the church's life and so we just have to make do and listen. There, there's a sense of contentment in what God's doing, but that contentment ought to be based on if we're doing right by the Lord. And not just just as an excuse. And I want to focus specifically today on God's growing of a church. And part of the reason we grow is really what we're going to look at next week. It's going to be our coming together as a collective. But what I'm saying is Christians grow best when we're together. That's just God's design. There's a synergy that happens when we come together under the banner of Jesus' name. And within this scope, in our assembly, in our organization, we're going to see some inputs and outputs of growth due to our belonging to, to our local church. And we're going to see some of the ingredients of that. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll begin reading in verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith, and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine." by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless. Father, we are so thankful, dear Lord, for the opportunity that we have tonight to again open your word, Lord, the the very sustenance that we need, the very instructions that we need to adhere to to live life successfully. And We do thank you, Father, that Lord, you preserved it for us, complete Lord, in this day so that we can, Lord, just have the Lord, just the, the ability then to grow forth as you have designed us to and I pray that you'd help us as we open your word tonight to just take it in dear God as a as as individuals but as a collective and that father then we would that would result in just your pleasing and your your edifying of the body but lord the your honoring lord in our midst. And so I pray that you'd help us this evening in Jesus most precious holy wonderful name. Amen. So we start here in verse 11 we'll go down to verse 16 uh, as best as we can tonight but what we see in verses 11 and 12 is he lists out some personnel. And what God does, and, and you know, we won't take the time tonight, is, is that he brings different parts together. And each, each church is constructed a certain way. But within that scope of the body, we see that there's the personnel for growth. And we see there in verse 11 and 12, he lists out for, for us, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. So he lists out some personnel for growth and part of God's gifting to a church are those that will feed them the Word of God. And part of our growth is our gathering together and then us playing our our different roles and our different parts, but particularly in regard to the growth of the church are those that are tasked with giving the Word of God. And what we find here is a list and we'll, we'll... I'll quickly go through that in a bit, but suffice it to say tonight that the, the main role, the, the, the main personnel, the person that would enable that is the pastors and teachers. God's given those specific things for us in, in our time uh, for, for our edifying and for our growth. He says there in verse 12, why did he give them? Okay, why did he gift the church these? Why? It says in verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so it's not not so much that we uh, you know, just have the Word of God in a sense of you could just get it remotely, but actually our gathering together and our, our, our going together and our fulfilling of our roles together then, then results in what we see in verse 12, the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ. All of that is growth. All of that is, is, is for each and every one of us. That's the aim. And actually, the, the role specifically here of the pastors and, pastor and teacher is to produce something in your lives. And so as I study the Word of God and as God has given me the office of the pastor, my role is actually to feed the flock. And, and, and that's what a pastor's role is. In Hebrews 13.7, the Bible tells us to remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. So he's saying considering their manner of life, but it's that speaking unto you the word of God. There's just something about that that we're supposed to gather and be instructed uh, from the word of God. In Acts 20, 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. That's the word bishop in the Bible to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. And a pastor who has any kind of calling, a pastor who has any kind of grounding in the word of God understands that the church isn't his church. It was purchased by Jesus with his own blood. And therefore is an important, uh, important organism of which we, uh, there ought to be an emphasis. And he's saying feed the church. There's meant to be a feeding First Peter 5:2, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. It's not a career, it's a calling. And I can recall just that time where Peter was there at the shores of Galilee, and there he was, sort of just in between, a little bit of a crossroads in his life. And Jesus asked him, Lovest thou me? And what did Jesus say after Peter goes, Thou knowest, I love thee. What did he say? Feed. Feed, feed. And, and now Peter, probably referencing that in his own mind, is recalling that and now telling those that were to be bishops and overseers to feed. And so there's a role there that it's meant to grow. And why do we feed? Why do we keep telling you know, us as parents, why do we keep trying to tell our kids to eat? Because we want them to Grow. Right? Why do we try to teach them uh, all about what good foods are and what foods not to eat? And we struggle with that. We wrestle with that. Why? Because we want them to grow right. And, and part of the role that God has given the pastor and teacher is for that very thing, the edifying of the saints. It's for your growth. And so he gives certain roles. He says the apostles, prophets, and evangelists And what I'm going to call these are foundational roles in the sense that God used these roles in the past to to really put together the founding of the church, the founding of the Word of God prior to its writing. Uh, They were all foundational offices. They all had to do with the writing of the Word of God and the propagation of the Word of God. But upon its completion, God just then will will do that in another office's away, And uh, we won't take the time to define what those are. We We'll, we'll do that in another time. But the purpose of that was, again, for the growth of the church. You can't grow without the right feeding. And the right feeding is the Word of God. And so, again, evangelists there, we might, we might wonder, is in the strictest sense of the Word, is one that goes and speaks of news in other places. An evangelist will go from one city and, and maybe around those who are in leadership and they would be given news to tell to the other city and they would go to another city, and that's what an evangel is. And we still have, in this day, we still have those who are evangelists. I personally believe that within the scope of that are missionaries. One can argue that there are those who have been tasked specifically to tell others about Christ in foreign fields, maybe have a circuit ministry preaching to, to different cities to win the lost, and perhaps to even establish the saints. And so you, you might look at that, and we, we could study that out a little bit, but we, won't, we don't have the time tonight. But we, we don't see there to, in this day being apostles, those who were literally with Jesus, and then those prophets of old. I believe those offices are now gone. But what has stayed very clearly in the Word of God is the, the office of the pastor and teacher. Right? There's different names given them. There's the, they're given the name Elder. They're given the name Bishop. Right? They're given the name pastor. And so all of, those, all of those refer to the same office. And really what that is, that office has stayed because it's for the formation of the church. And that, 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 that phrase there, pastors and teachers, the word end in, that, in, in those three words is very important. It, it's a, it's, that word end is in a cumulative sense, in the sense of they're, they're adding to the one role. So, meaning the two terms build on each other and refer to the same office. And what I'm saying is the pastor is to be a teacher. He is to oversee. That's the pastor, the bishop, the elder, the work of God. But he is also to instruct or teach the flock. And we see that very very early on. Look at Acts chapter 6. Look at Acts chapter 6. And notice verse 2. So there was a multitude of those murmuring because the Grecians um, and against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in their daily ministration. That's verse 1. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So there was an issue in the church. It was a practical issue. They didn't want to neglect the widows. It was a genuine issue in the church. But the twelve, who really were the the pastors of their time, they called the multitude of disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. It's not that they they didn't have the ability to, but they just understood their role. They understood that their ministry was in the Word of God. And so what did they do? Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, and he will, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word of God. They chose out uh, some who were uh, men uh, uh, that were spirit-filled to go and serve tables. We, I think uh, we have a clear understanding here of the, the, the office of the deacon starting to be uh, elaborated upon in the, um, in, the, uh, in the early church. And the result of that in verse 7, "...and the Word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly." And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Why? Because the pastors were given the time and were given the space to be able to fulfill their role. They were in the Word of God and prayer. And I've never met a pastor who's not willing to go and, and help out in some way. I've never met a pastor who's just, was, that was beyond them, that they wouldn't even pick up a scrap of, of rubbish off the floor. But what I'm saying is that if all we all play our part and particularly give the, that office its place of, of, of significance, then the result of it is this, increase. Growth. The Word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly, the Bible says. And so there's that formation and really the task given this one that will carry the office it's just verse 12. It's for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And that's the task. I, I, I read that this, this past week and I trembled before the Lord. <laughs> because no one else is responsible for that. I'm responsible for that. I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ one day and I'm going to give an account for this church. Whether they were, they were perfected. They were perfected for the work of the ministry. And whether you were edified as a body of Christ. And, and that's why the Bible tells us if you desire the office of a bishop, you desire a good work. Because it takes work. And so we see the task. To perfect means here to mature. And the maturing takes time. The maturing takes time effort in the Word of God and study, the, the perfecting for the work of the ministry, the ministry is the ability to learn and live the Scriptures. And so my, my teaching and my, my my work is to help you in, the, in your maturing, but the maturing for your work in the ministry, whether that's in your individual lives where you can study the Word of God and feed yourself for a little bit, or if you have a specific calling where you're, perhaps have, have a teaching role in the church or elsewhere. That's the work of the ministry. The, that, that phrase there isn't just speaking about the, the practical things. Actually, specifically, especially in the New Testament, the word ministry has to do with the communication of the Word of God. And so I, I'm, it's like someone trying to teach you another language. How do we succeed? How do you know that you've succeeded in teaching someone else another language? They can communicate in that language. They can communicate it to someone else. And it's the same way as as I put the effort in to study the Word of God, you're going to be able then to teach others also. And there's that that ministry. But then he's saying the edifying of the saints, what that is, it's building up. The, The Bible tells us to build up ourselves in the most holy faith. And there's a building of a life. That's why we rejoice over times when we see growth, we see someone building their lives around the Word of God, that's called sorrow when they're missing. But then there's cause for great concern and sorrow when there are those who don't. You know, you want to ask me what keeps me up at night? It's not the boogeyman. You know what keeps me up at night? How you're living. You know what gets me bolted up at night sometimes in my sleep? is when God puts someone in mind that i got to pray for. And that's the work. You know, um, we've been... Sometimes we talk a little bit about in, in our family what, what it is to be a pastor. I've got to educate my own family about that. And they, they ask me, Dad, how, uh, what's your work hours? Like, I, don't have, I don't have work hours. <laughs> but sometimes God says, yeah, at 3 a.m., you're going to be awake. And you're going to have someone in mind And you're going to be concerned about them, and you're going to talk to me about them. And and there's going to be some things that I'm going to and you got to be listening. But why? Because there's there's that there's the task. There's the task. It's Christ being formed in you. That's what we're trying to build up, and and that's that's the that's the role. And there's the personnel for growth, but you know there's the person of growth. Because he goes on in verse thirteen, he says, "Till we all come." in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You know that, that phrase there unto perfect man is not referring to the pastor. <laughs> I'll just tell you now that the, the, that there's the personnel that God would have and that's the, the pastor and teacher. Again, that's, that's building on each other. It's, it's really referring to the one office. But the person of growth is not the pastor. You know, often in growth we tend to uh, to not know what it is we're aiming for. Sometimes you, you, we talk to different people and we talk to, we get around uh, different pastors, we're all talking about growth and we sometimes we don't even know what we're really talking about when we say growth. You know, one person is referring to numbers, another person is referring to ministries, another person is referring to buildings, another person is referring to... But what do, we, what do we talk, what are we talking about when we're saying growth Really? First and foremost, it's, it's growing into the person of Jesus Christ. That's what growth is about. The goal isn't about all of those. All of those can, can, can come as God leads and as God provides. But that's not the aim. I was listening to a, a, a fellow pastor preach a message, and just a good reminder, He was talking about vision. I, I'm, I'm, that, that's sort of an area I love to study about. And I think that's, that's sort of my leadership style. I'm, I'm more of a visionary leader. And, and I, I did, that's something that attracts me. So I was listening to it, and he reminded those listeners, including me, that the vision for a church isn't about a program. The vision for a church is about a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ. And when he goes on to talk a little bit about the, the, the growth here, there's a person, there's only one person, the pastor, thankfully, isn't the person to aim up for. <laughs> and you know, over time, sometimes the church sort of starts to, to sort of come along and, and be, becomes molded around the personality sometimes of the pastor. There's a natural thing of that in leadership. But you know, the, the, the addendum to that is really First Corinthians 11:1, where Paul says himself, "Be follows me." But here's the addendum, even as I also am of Christ. You know what we all have in common, regardless of what our part is in the body? We're all to be followers of Christ. You're only meant to follow me if I'm following Christ. I only have the authority to lead if I genuinely am following the Lord Jesus Christ. If even in my own life, I'm becoming more like Christ. Even my own life, that as as God reveals some things to me, that I would be humble enough and I would be humble before Him to just get those things right. You know, we're not, none of us are exempt from that. I want to tell you that the person of growth isn't all isn't at all the personnel of growth. It's the Lord Jesus Himself. And growth, that's good growth, comes from just being like Christ. We should all be patterning ourselves after one person, the person of Jesus Christ. And you know what that growth comes when we follow Christ? There's areas that we see here. Firstly, we start to grow in unity. All right, it says till we all come in the unity of the faith. You know, when we follow the same person, we're all going the same way. If if we're just following the leader. If we're following Christ, then what's produced is just we're going the same way. That's unity. Okay, growing in unity is a need in each church. And what we do, we start to gain momentum and traction as we follow in unity. But if we're all of one mind, and that's that mind that we're following is the mind of Christ, then what that produces is unity. But also, notice the next thing he says, and the knowledge of the Son of God. When we follow the same person, we're hearing the same voice and gaining the same knowledge. And so we're growing in the knowledge of the Son of God. You know, there's uh, there's a thing these days in there's in there was great coaches in different sports, and I, I like to study just coaching. And there's some great coaches, you know, even even in our local sports in in the NRL and different things like that. But they talk about a coaching coaches who come from the same coaching tree. They, they come from this line of coach that was very significant and they're so all disciples of that. And it's recognizable in their manner, in the way they coach their teams, the way they manage, they man-manage their, their team. It's very evident. And you can trace it back, they're, they're part of that coaching tree. And you know, that's, that's how we're supposed to be. There's, there's meant to be in, in our knowledge base in the way we do things. It's meant to be evident that we're from that tree, the tree, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're supposed to come from Him. We're supposed to be like Him. That's why we are Christians. We're little Christs. And so we're supposed to be that He's the person of growth. How do we know when we're growing and we're following Christ, we're seeing unity, we're seeing that knowledge, but we're seeing maturity. Right? he says, there unto the a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, and and you know the the, the reality is in in especially in measuring ourselves with the it's always been a problem, but it's more pronounced now, is that we're measuring ourselves with the wrong measuring stick. You know, you, you see churches are all about numbers, and it doesn't matter. You you sort of see the 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 massive churches, and you know all of that can be used. By God, but I, I just look at that and you go, "What's their measuring stick?" You know it, it, we we sometimes measure it in other ways and and you know in in there's there's a humanity in that we there's human nature that we want to quantify things but the the reality is that the the only measure we need isn't to measure up to other things, it's actually to measure up to Christ. We're supposed to mature in that way when. We're following someone uh, who is perfect, and we pattern our lives after. Then we can we can trust that measure. I was with with Vicky the other day. We were we took Jaden to his basketball training, and we're just sitting there and you know sort of watching him, but really just trying to trying to get the time going. And We looked at there was three basketball courts and all three had had a scoreboard, they were all blank, no one was playing a game. But all three had a different time. You know, one said five forty one, the next one said five forty three, and the the one we liked the most was it said five forty seven, but it was closer to six (laughs) o'clock. But all different. Just just not a standard, and we understand time, there's only really one time, right? But sometimes they get misaligned. And and, sometimes in our mentality about the Christian life, we try to measure our growth by different standards when actually the only standard that matters is to be measuring up to the perfect man, to be measuring up to the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so there are those that we need to just be reminded that, that if we're going to grow properly, to grow the right way, we need to not measure up to anything else, but measure up to Christ. But Then there's the protections of growth. And in verses 14 to 15, he outlines those for us. You know, growing isn't just for growing's sake. Growth enables protection. Growth and maturity has its own benefits. And there are things you're protected from by virtue of your, really, when you think about it, your physical growth. Right? You feel safer. You know, when you were little, there were certain things you were fearful of. Why? Because you knew you couldn't protect yourself from it. But now you're a little bit bigger, you're a bit older, they're not as fearful anymore because you can protect yourself. And there's those things. And uh, here's here's the list, that we henceforth be no more children. You know what what growing does? It protects us from immaturity. And you know what? There's a plague called immaturity sometimes in the church. And immaturity can lead us to make awful decisions and believe in awful things and says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. All right? When we're kids, we can just, you know, uh, and you probably remember when you're, you want to stay and you're not allowed to stay, mom and dad just picks you up and takes you. <laughs> All right? You're just, you can just be tossed to and fro. And that can be that way. You know, when we're immature in the Christian life, we're not growing. We can just be carried off by anything. And he says, be no more children. And then in contrast to that in verse 15, says that may grow up into him. So there's a contrast. He's saying that, no, you're either immature or you're maturing. And the contrast here, the key to going from one to the other is the truth in love. But it requires patience and purpose. It takes patience as it takes time for one to mature. And If you've ever gone through discipleship with someone, you know that it's not just a, it's not just a 12-week course, right? You sit with them. You watch them. Sometimes they make mistakes. You're just patient. And you're, you're raising someone for the cause of Christ, and it's, it's, that's, that's maturing. It takes time and intention for one to mature. Uh, Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 13:11. though. It takes intention. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And so there has to be a point in, in our own lives and really as a church that we're just going to put away those things that are just childish. All right, so we're protected from immaturity. Secondly, we're protected from wrong doctrine. He says there in verse 14, every wind of doctrine. And growth protects you from instability that comes from false doctrine. And, you know, if ever there was a time where that can easily be, be something that sways you away, it's right now when information is right at the fingertip and we could be researching instead of just studying uh, the the bible and comparing everything to scripture we can just go ahead and just believe anything we see on youtube right we could start to then follow someone that maybe doctrinally we just you just without understanding and the bible tells us that strong meat belongs to them who are full of age there's certain things in the word of god that you'll only understand as you mature and grow and he says in 1 uh, Timothy 4.6, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. He says later on in, in chapter 4, verse 16, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. And, and doctrine is important. And, and doctrine, the teachings of the Word of God, it can only be attained to by growing. All right. He says the next thing that you're protected from is a slight of men. Slight of men, cunning craftiness, whereby you're deceived. What that is, there's tricks and deception, and, you know, it's devilish. You know what the devil's described as? The great deceiver. He's the father of lies. And he wants to espouse lies. And we see that in our world today. First Corinthians three, eighteen to nine nineteen, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. You know what what that is, it's you fall for that because there's pride. You take pride in your own wisdom. But actually, it's, there's that, that, that humility that comes, and humility actually comes with maturity, with growing. You know, there's that expectation versus reality, this bait and switch all the time in the spiritual realm. And we've got to be careful, but the only way you're going to prote- be protected by that is to grow, is to grow. And then lastly, really quickly, there's the prospering from growth. Because we read there in verse 16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. According to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Notice that, the increase of the body. And so as the church grows in our maturity, that growing, there's an outflow of that into the the community and the lives of others. You know, the maturity comes comes with fruitfulness, and sometimes the fruit of that is just the winning of others, the growing of others. That's a mature church. That's a growing church. Um, you know, it's, it's not just about, again, the, the numbers, but I, there's a particular church I was able to go to in the States. They really ever only averaged 30 people. But, you know, that church, they, they had discipled. And they had trained so many people that there were more people that they had sent out than they had in church. They had sent out probably 60 people out to the mission field, a church of 30. Now, is that a growing church? That's a mature church. Right? Sometimes we, sometimes we just measure it with like, oh, look at the numbers. And that's great. I'm all for that. I, I, that's God's blessing. and That's God's doing. But if we're not growing people, we're not a growing church, we're not a mature church. If we can't produce faithfulness and fruitfulness in others, then we've not grown. If if God's not working in that way, then that's the growth. You know, again, part of that growing is, is to be able to produce Christ in others' life. You imagine if each person, you know, the, the outflow of that is is God will increase. You imagine if each person learns how to be a witness. Imagine if in one year each person just led one person to Christ, what'll happen? The church doubles. <laughs> And, and perhaps within that, there's a calling. There's a, there's a, there's a, a rule in, in just, just forming good habits called the 1% rule. And in different areas, you recognize that if you just grow 1%, if you total that up, that's great growth, actually. And if all of us here just just had the, the mentality to at least grow by 1% if we could measure it somehow maybe in your, in your knowledge of the Word of God, maybe in your Christ-likeness, you're just committed to that, then there's going to be just that, that edifying, that building up. And, you know, firstly, we see the whole body fitly joined together. There's a joining of abilities. There's no schism in the body, right? In, in 1 Corinthians 12, For the body is not one member, but many. And later down in verse 18, but now God hath set in the members every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him. There's that joining. We all find our place of fittedness. We're all exercising our, our spiritual gifts that really is for the edifying of the body. It's the growing. There's a, secondly, compacted by that which every joint supplies, the galvanizing of commitment. We're compacted. We're, we're packed in. There's, there's that, that togetherness. There's that unity. It's commitment for one another produces greater commitment. And what it is, God creating a core that's strong, that can endure. And you know, that only comes by growing. And then there's the energizing of one another in, in verse 16 again, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, your growth will help breed a passion for others to grow. Okay, you'll have the ability to invest yourself in others and help them grow in the faith. It's the effectual working, that means God's working in you in an evident way. In the measure of every part that's then the flow on into the lives of others. And so wherever you're ministering, I hope that you're growing because what that'll do is you you'll be able to then invest more of yourself. And I just think about just the, the many people who helped me over the years who just because they were growing in their faith, that flowed into my life. I just I just think about those who were, you know, Sunday school teachers, those who were youth group leaders, those who were just there were just faithful people in the church who just—they were just growing. You know, this this week um, uh, we received a, a, a gift, and um, and Bella is here. She's moved up from Sydney, and her sister's here visiting. And they brought a a gift. It was called—it it was cinnamon scrolls. All right, if you ever want to give me a gift, that is a gift for me. But um, but they brought up cinnamon scrolls. But it was from a man who was part of our church there in Sydney, and you know he. They, they, they brought that over. But this was a man who invested in me as a young man. He didn't have any official role in the church. You know, he wasn't a deacon. Uh, I think at one point he was the treasurer. But I remember just there were times where he just sat next to me and he just, he just gave me truth. <laughs> he just he would tell me things. You know, if I didn't, if I didn't do something and I, I said I would do it, he would tell me. And I needed to hear that. And I just, I just, when I ate another one of those, it was probably my sixth one this week, but um, I ate another one. That's called not good growth, all right? But um, I had it, and it just reminded me of this man again. I thought, man, this man is a blessing. He's still a blessing to me today. Look at the Sinemus Girls. But I just think those times where it would have been difficult to talk to a th- 13, 14-year-old that was strong-headed, and I remember the times he would just sit with me and go, hey, listen, Hernan, um, you said you would do this. And you didn't, didn't turn up. And man, he put me straight. And there were things he would just go, hey, you know, I was praying about this. Have you considered this and that? And he just, he just would do that. But it's that energizing. He was growing himself. He was a growing Christian, and so he was able to help me. And then what it produces ultimately is increase in health. Because in verse 16, again, unto the edifying of itself in love. There's that, that self-investment. There's that, that investing back into. You know, that's the difference between someone who will go a long way. You know, the, the mentality sometimes is, is we're like, we're, we're just employees. We're just working for the man. But you know what the difference is? You become an owner and you're investing you're investing. And that's, that's the switch. That's the switch of, of growing versus not growing. The switch is you're just turning up because that's what you have to do. You clock in, you clock out. But the switch is you're now an investor. You're someone who's going to add value. You're someone that's going to edify itself in love. There's a, there's a growing love there. And, and we don't take, take the time, really, that's really speaking about charity. That's in 1 Corinthians 13. It's that charity that's growing, that's maturing love. And you're able then to come into a, a setting with imperfect people who sometimes don't do right all the time. And you're going to come and because you have the love of Christ and you're have the you're speaking the truth in love, you're able to help many. You're able to sit with different people who you may not have an exact commonality with, you're able to relate to them you're able to because of the spirit of God in you be able to sit with them and show them love show them care and show them truth and what that is it's the edifying of itself in love and that's what a growing church is it's a healthy church if a church isn't growing and it's maturing it's not growing and it's love there's an unhealthiness there but we need to be a growing church that's a healthy church you see, he says, unto the edifying of itself in love. That's actually the marker of which others know us to be disciples. By this shall all men know, that you are my disciples. And he got, this was Jesus talking, so he could have said anything, it would have been truth, right? If you have loved one to another. You know, there's a lot of churches, sometimes there's a lot of truth, but there's a lack of love. And that's not a healthy church. There's a lot of churches who all they, they're concerned about is truth, and truth is important. But it's speaking the truth in love, that you may grow up into Him. And so love is seen. It's a, it's a love that's grown. It's a love that is growing, but it's edifying of itself in love. And that's the marker of a healthy church, is we're growing in our love one for another. It's producing, in, in, and there's a sense of when you come into this congregation, this body, that you're going to find belonging here. That there's a strength in the church to bear up your burdens. That there's a strength in the church and there's a love in the church that, that even in the coldness of the world, you're going to feel a warmth that only comes from a genuine walk and following after Christ. And that's a growing church. And so... We've got to ask the question: How are we growing? Are we measuring up? Are we utilizing God-given abilities and gifts to help people, help help them grow in God's Word, help them in their walk, bear some burdens? Are we growing so we can? We're protected from these things, uh, immaturity, and so forth. Are we seeing this body of believers become healthier? That's a growing church. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. And thank you, dear God, that we can be so challenged, Lord. Lord, you can, in so many ways, just sober us up to the reality of even the very thing you've designed for us to be and do, grow. Help us, dear God, to be that kind of growing church. We're just growing and, Lord, maturing in our knowledge of you and our faith. Lord, in a genuine walk with you, dear God, and then, Lord, that it might flow out into the lives of others. And, Lord, there's a there's a hurting world out there. There's a hurting people in here. And all of us here, dear God, we've been tasked to grow so that we can just, Lord, edify ourselves in love. Lord, help us, Lord, we pray, to display that, to to seek that in our lives. And help us to look to you, dear God, and to follow after you. We pray these things in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name.